0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You're all familiar with the picture. There's been lots of pictures of Luther in front of the church door in Wittenberg, nailing, hammer in hand, nailing the 95 theses to the door. Now, there's a lot of other things that happened during the Reformation. So... Why do we always kind of center on this one? Well, this has kind of become the symbol of everything that happened during the Reformation. Okay? It's like um, when we sent a man to walk on the moon, there was a lot of stuff that happened besides just those few steps that we all you know, remember in the planting the flag, but, but that was the symbolic moment of everything. The astronaut, you know, walking there on the moon, planting the, the flag. Well, that's, that's nailing the 95 Theses. The fact of the matter is, we don't even know for certain that he even nailed them to the church door, okay? Maybe that was a tradition that came on later. Maybe he didn't actually do it. The point is, he wrote them. And writing them was the, the nailing it down. Like, this is where we're standing. Okay? That's the point. That's why this is such a big and important symbol, whether it happened in fact or not, of him actually nailing. So there's, there's a couple times like this. Any of you who took uh, the catechism, remember in the catechism when Luther says at the end of the articles of the creed, this is most certainly true. Do you see what he's doing there? He's nailing. I mean, it's a different kind of nailing, but... He's putting the stake in the ground. This is true, and that's where we're going to stake our very lives. Or the, after Luther had died, they were still doing this. In the formula of Concord, which is the last um, document in our Lutheran confessions, they say we unanimously, we unanimously, all of us together, we unanimously believe, teach, and confess. Okay, again, it's, hammering it down. This is where we're standing. We're staking our ground right here. So that is Romans chapter 3, verse 28, the last verse of our epistle today. That's what Paul is doing also. For we hold, he says, we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. And that's what you and I are going to do today. This is where we're going to stake the ground once again, as we do every year and hopefully every Sunday if we're being faithful. We plant our flag, we nail it down, that we hold one is saved by faith in Jesus Christ and not by works. Now sometimes we Christians, we think, well, duh, everybody knows that. Why do we need to do this? Well, no, you don't know that as well as you think you do, and... The fact is, we need to stake that against anybody who would say that that's not good enough. That you're not good enough. That Jesus isn't good enough. Now you might say, well, who would say that? Well, let me tell you who would say that. And who says it to you every single day? First of all, the devil does. The devil tells you, you're not good enough. And believing in Jesus is not good enough. You've got to be better than that. So we gotta put playing our stake in the ground against the devil. Then there's our, our own sinful hearts, our consciences telling us, you're not good enough. You need to be better. How could you possibly think you're gonna be saved with all your sins? And we gotta stake it in the ground against our own hearts and say, no, this is the truth. We're justified by faith. And finally, the world, and we don't mean world like people, but I mean, it includes people, but the entire world around us that we're living in that is constantly tempting us and telling us we need more and more and more and more and more. And we're going to stake our ground against the world and say, no, we don't need anything more than this. Jesus Christ, our Savior. They're going to tell you you're not good enough, that this isn't good enough, and you're going to say, no, Jesus is good enough. We are justified. By faith, apart from works of the law. So let me take you through this. I'm going to start with verse 19 and 20. He says, We know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped. Every mouth may be stopped. The point here is, let's really ask the question, who is good enough? Who is good enough to stand before God? No one. No one. See, what Paul is saying is that when all of us come before God and we're going to start offering our excuses and our arguments, try to show that we're good enough, every mouth is going to be shut up. Every mouth is stopped. No one has any excuses. What are we going to say? None of us is good enough. For there is no distinction, he says, verse 22, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every mouth is stopped. No one's good enough. But he, now, here comes the devil. Here comes the devil. You're not good enough. Telling you all your sins, all the, way you, the ways you screw up every day, all the ways you fail to do what you should. He says to you, oh, you're not a good enough Christian. You don't." Pr- I, he says, I know you don't pray enough. You don't pray like you should. You don't read your Bible enough. You don't tell people about Jesus like you should. You're not a good enough Christian. Now, whenever you're having an argument with someone and you know you're right, which is all the time, right? You know. No, no. I mean actually one of the times you really do know you're right, not you think you're right. Okay. You, there are times you, you know you're right and you know the other person isn't quite seeing it right. And you, so they might be giving you all these, all these arguments, all these excuses, and you might come to a point where you just say something like this, look, just stop a second. Just stop. Okay? That's what we're going to do with the devil. Devil devil's saying, you're not good enough. You're not good enough. We're going to say, just stop, devil. I know I'm not good enough. I don't have any excuses. You're right. I'm not good enough. I'm not a good enough Christian to get into heaven. That's why I have Jesus. Then the devil comes and says to you, moms, you're not a good mother. You're not a good Christian mother. You, you don't You don't raise your kids the right way. You don't spend enough time with them. You're too distracted when you're around them. You you don't discipline them like you should. And you say, just stop, devil, just stop. I know I'm not a good enough mother. I know I'm not saved by being a good enough mother. Just stop. I know. I know it already. Just tell me something I don't know. And he says to you fathers, you're not a good father. You're not raising your kids the way you should. You're not showing them how to respect people the way you should. And their handshake isn't firm enough. You're not a very good dad. And you say, just stop, devil. Just stop. I know. I'm not good enough. And he does this with every single vocation in our lives. He tells you you're not a good enough husband. You don't love your wife the way you should. You're not a good enough wife. You don't respect your husband the way you should. You're not a good enough citizen. You're not up enough on all the things going on in the country. Don't you care about what's going on in our country? And you just say, just stop. Tell me something I don't know. There are no excuses. There are no arguments. We're not good enough. And then here comes your own sinful heart. After you've chased the devil away, then your own sinful heart and conscience come up and say, oh man, God is never going to accept you. Don't you remember all those things you did back when you were seven years old, back in grade school, what you said to that kid? How could you have ever said that? You know you're going to hell. Oh man, our, our heart's just working on us. You're not good enough, you're not good enough, you're not good enough, and we just have to say, just stop. To our own hearts, just stop. I know I'm not good enough. Then comes the world. Now, the world is a little different. Remember I told you the world, the world is telling you you don't have enough. You need more. You need more and more and more. And and it's never enough and never enough. And you're never enough. The world wants to sell you everything. And I know I bring this up all the time, but I just think we got to hear it, that we have got to be aware of the advertising to us today. I mean, the world is just advertising us to death that you're not enough, that you don't have enough, that you need to be more. So we see all these advertisements about people working out and they're in shape, and we say, oh, I'm not good enough. I need to get in better shape. I need to go work out. And then we see ads about you know, these people on these great vacations, tropical destinations, say, oh, man, we don't take good enough vacations. i gotta take, I got to get my family a better vacation. Then they see people, they're hiking mountains, and you say, oh, I, just, I never do anything. I just say, I need to be more adventurous. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. And what are you going to say? Just stop. You know, turn it off. Just stop. I'll, I'll never be everything. God doesn't judge this way. And then you keep reading what does Paul say? But now verse 21 to 26 there, but now something different. A different voice. How does God judge? Here's where and you've heard this before, but we need to this is a good a good visual image we need to have often. Paul starts using this courtroom language. He brings us into the courtroom. Every mouth has been stopped. Okay? We have no defense. We're not good enough. And God, the judge, is sitting on his bench. Okay? Verdict ready. Guilty. Punishment, death. And there's the prosecution, the devil, and our own conscience saying, you're not good enough, you're not good enough. And then all of a sudden, God does this new and beautiful and different thing. He brings in a mediator, an attorney, if you will, for us, a defense attorney, his very own son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus, remember these, look what, let me just read it to you. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood. He put forward as a substitute. Here comes Jesus to stand in our place as a gift of pure grace to be our propitiation, the redemption of all of our sins. And God looks at Jesus and looks at us and says, good enough. And even better than that, righteous, perfect, not guilty. He justifies us by faith in Jesus Christ. Of course, we're not good enough, but Jesus is. And through faith in Jesus Christ, God hands down the verdict, not guilty. This is where we're going to stake our claim. This is where we're going to nail it down. That we are not good enough, but we're not justified by our own works. We're justified by faith in Jesus Christ. Now. Romans 3.27. Then, what? Do we start boasting? What, what becomes of boasting in the church? Are we going to start boasting? Well, I've got better faith than you do. I've got better works than you do. I'm a better Christian than you do. No, he says all boasting is excluded. It's all gone. There's never boasting in the church, but only pure thanksgiving. Now that we have received this pure gift of God's grace in Jesus Christ, every day we're going to live in it. Every day we're going we're to nail it down, stake our claim, say we live by faith in Jesus Christ every day receiving His grace, every day living in our baptism, receiving the Holy Spirit. So, I wanted to end um, maybe, maybe this... Oh, to, can sound to you like it's too theoretical. So I want to end in, as practical as I can here for you with uh, some advice from Martin Luther. So uh, how, are you, how do you actually do this every day? Kind of nail, nail it down, stake your claim. You're going to say, this, this is how I'm going to live, justified by faith. How are you going to do that? Well, Luther um, gives us this very simple, practical thing to do every morning and every evening to say three things. To say the invocation in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, to say the creed, and then to say the Lord's Prayer. Now, I was going to tell you that that doesn't take more than two minutes. And then I thought, well, I'm going to time it so I can tell you exactly. So I said it in a nice, calm pace. I said, the, which, which we do often, but I've never timed it. So I said the invocation creed, Lord's. guess how long it takes you to say that? About a minute and eight seconds. Now, do you think you can spare two minutes and 16 seconds out of your day to nail this down and to stake your claim and to say in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, in other words, I'm living today, I'm not good enough. I know I'm not good enough, but I'm living in the name of the God who baptized me into Christ, in His name. That's where I'm going to live. And then to say, and here's what I believe, I'm going to stake it down right here, I believe in God the Father, who created me. I believe in the Son who redeemed me. And I believe in the Holy Spirit who gives me faith. And then you're going to pray to Him directly, and you're going to say, Father in heaven, I'm not good enough. And I need Your grace and mercy today. So, let Your name be hallowed. Let Your kingdom come to me. Let Your will be done. Give me my daily bread today. Forgive me my sins. Lead me not into temptation to deliver me from evil. And you see what you did then? You got up in the morning or you went to bed at night and you laid it down and you said, this is where I stand. In God's grace, by faith in Jesus Christ, I know I'm not good enough, but Jesus is. In Jesus' name, Amen. And the peace of God which passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord.